Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from our listeners, people like you who love the show and choose to financially support it. This week, I want to thank Christine and Catherine. Thank you for making your donation through our website, thebittersweetlife.net, and and donating through PayPal. Thanks also to Rob, Joe, and Evan for becoming members at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash thebittersweetlifepodcast. All major donors to the show get regular bonus content, episodes that we only release privately. If you're interested in donating to the show and keeping this going, you can find links on how to donate in the show notes. Thank you so much. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, if you are indeed listening to this on Monday, November 2nd, 2020, Mm. it's the day before Election Day in the United States. Yep. And I'm in Seattle in the United States. Tiffany, way over on the other side of the world in Italy, Rome, Italy. Mm -hmm. I'm an American citizen, yes, but very, very far away from this election. So today we thought we'd talk a little bit about what it's like to be an expat that lives really far away when something big is going on. So let's start with how you're feeling about the fact that you will not be on American soil during this election. Um, you know, it's hard for me, even though in some senses it can be easier to be far away if things go badly. <laughs> <laughs> if um, riots break out in the streets, then yes, better to be on the other side of the world. Yeah, I mean, there's that worry, that very physical, serious worry. But not even just that, even just like the general malaise of having things not go the way that you want in a major, major way. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It is easier to ignore them when you're far away, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I'm, I'm not saying that burying your head in the sand is a positive strategy, you know, it's like the, what you want to do, but it is something that is easier to do. It's also easier when you lose family members. It's, I mean, we've talked about this before. It's the same sort of thing. It's totally different, but there's something, there's a similar thread there that when you lose a family member and you're far away, you can almost, I don't want to say pretend like, but you know, There's not a constant reminder of that person being missing because you're far away from them anyway. You wouldn't be seeing them anyway. It's one of those things that has its... It's a double-edged sword because sometimes you want somebody to talk to about it. I wish that I had someone here that I could commiserate with about how stressful this moment is and how so much is hinging on this election. And I do have American friends here that I see from time to time. And I, I actually was lucky enough to see a couple yesterday. But for the most part... I am surrounded by Italians, and most of them, as we've talked about in previous episodes, either they're just not as aware of what's going on, or they're just jaded by politics, by being Italian, and so they don't, they wouldn't take it as serious as I would, even if it were happening in their country. Well, when I lived over in Rome back in 2013-14, there were many moments when I felt very, very far away from home. Of course. I mean, even just the coordination that has to happen for you to talk to your parents, mm-hmm. <laughs> for instance, you know, yeah. just because you're, there's always a nine hour time difference or you're winding down while they're ramping up or whatever it is. 
but the furthest away I ever felt was, and maybe some of you don't know that I'm a football fan. <laughs> Because maybe that seems a little out of character. <laughs> I didn't know. Quite frankly, I didn't know until you mentioned this. Well, I'm a, I'm a kind of a fair weather fan. But when I was over in Rome that year, the Seahawks, the Seattle Seahawks, got into the Super Bowl. And I don't know if you remember, Tiffany, but the Seattle Seahawks were not always a great team. <laughs> they were okay. I do know that, yeah. But in 2013-14, they were an amazing team. And... They got into the Super Bowl, and of course, I wanted to watch it. But in Roman time, it, it wasn't going to end until something like 3.34 in the morning. <laughs> and so I found an English-speaking bar, and I went and watched it. And they were also not the favored team. Ah. So most people in that bar didn't want the Seahawks to win. Who were they playing? I believe they were playing Denver. Who won that game? The Seahawks won. Oh, great. I should have known that, but I don't follow football. They did. And it was so funny because it was so, so exciting because they hadn't won in any recent memory that I had. And like I said, they weren't the favorite team in the bar. And it was so late so that by the time they won, the vast majority of people were gone. <laughs> like the bar was packed when I arrived. Yeah. And when it looked like the Seahawks were definitely going to win, all the Broncos fans drifted off down the alleys that they were staying in. And there were like four of us in there left watching it till the end. And I felt so far away because as I'm walking home, you know, Rome doesn't really have much of a nightlife come, say, three, four in the morning. So there was no one on the street. <laughs> and I'm just walking mm -hmm. completely elated. Were you by yourself without Derek? Yeah, yeah. He had like a brief period of time when we were over there where he went to Israel. And so he was in Israel at the time. So it was just me. Oh. So I come home, empty apartment. There's nobody around. Oh, I'm feeling geez. like I want to party with somebody or something. Give someone a hug, <laughs> a high five race around in the streets a little bit, nothing. So of course, what could I do but watch other people celebrate in pictures on Facebook, which mm. was just about as pathetic a celebration mm -hmm. as I could think of until I could calm down enough to go to bed. I mean, that's kind of an example of what you're talking about, right? It's it like is. this amazing moment and you're just not even there. <laughs> you're there, but you're alone in it. I can totally relate because I went through the same thing. I used to be a big baseball fan, believe it or not, also very out of character. So shocking, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was a very brief obsession. I wouldn't even say it was an obsession. It was a brief interest of mine. When I was living in Boston, I had, um, for a period of that time, the last few years I was in Boston, I had a Puerto Rican boyfriend uh, who was very into baseball. And he sort of introduced me to it. And I do like the game. I think it's an interesting game. I think it's so different from all other types of major sports. Most sports, whether it's hockey, football, basketball, soccer, they're all basically the same. You know, trying to go one way or the other way, you know, you're trying to advance and stop the other team from advancing. And baseball, I find just totally different, and that's why I liked it. I've always root for the underdog, and so when I, when I learned a little bit of the history about how, the, you know, the Red Sox were always the underdog, and they always lost, and they hadn't won since the Great Curse of 1918, that, you know, I just loved that. And the year before I moved to Italy, it would have been 2003, and the Red Sox were in the playoffs. We all thought they were going to advance to the World Series for the first time in ages. And they were playing the Yankees, and of course, they lost uh, in the final game to the Yankees. And I just remember that night so much. I remember being in our apartment in Boston and like, praying. I don't know why I got so into it. It's so weird, but they didn't make it. And then of course the next year 
2004, I'm living in Rome, and they make it to the World Series. And I was like, how am I going to watch this? Where am I going to watch this? And I found out about this place. I had just moved to Rome. I mean, I moved to Rome mid late September. The World Series takes place in, you know, October. And I found out about this Irish pub, and I went there. And it's funny because I met a couple of friends there whom I stayed friends with for, for a long time. I watched all of the games there, but they didn't start at midnight, Katie. They started at like 2, 3 in the morning. Super Bowl is played during the day, but the World Series is played at night, you know, usually. And I can't remember who they were playing. I should know that, but <laughs> I can't remember now. But it was so, so late. And I just remember being there until like 5, 5 a.m., 6 a.m. I don't know, but baseball lasts forever as well. And I yeah. also remember walking home... <laughs> And the pub was on this very narrow street. And I remember just walking home and being like, it's pitch black. I can't see a thing. <laughs> Please, God, protect me. Yeah. And they won. But I had made a few friends in the pub, you know. I had a, people to sort of celebrate with in the moment. And the Red Sox were definitely the favored team. They were the, the popular team. So I know this is a long story that probably doesn't have a point. Only to say that I totally get what you're talking about. And it is hard when you know that something big is happening that's important for your hometown, or in this case, for your whole country, and not to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, you're planning on staying up, are you not? I am, but I've decided I'm going to try to sleep first. Okay. I've read that the returns are going to start coming in for Florida around 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, which will be 1.30 a.m. here, Mm -hmm. I guess. So I'm going to see if I can like go to bed really early, like at 8 o'clock right after Aurelio falls asleep and sleep until one. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that, but I'm not a night person. I do not like being up in the middle of the night. It's really hard for me. You could sleep with your phone next to you and I could text you if anything dramatic is happening. No, I don't want you to do that. (laughs) No, because I have a terror of that, of waking up to bad news, which started on the 2016 election night when our mutual friend Suzanne woke me up with a text message at three in the morning and it was traumatic experience for me. I remember how I felt, how sick I felt and how terrified I was. And then you woke me up um, (laughs) as well. I mean, it wasn't the middle of the night, thankfully, but it was the first thing I saw as soon as I opened my eyes and it was something like, have courage for the bad news you're about to read (laughs) or something like that. I, I can't remember how you worded it, but I was like, Oh, oh God, God, what is it? It would have been easier if you had just told me outright that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was dead. Instead, I had to like log on with like trembling hands and like <laughs> go to like the, the news site and see the headlines. And oh, my God. So don't do that. This is always how I feel when my mom calls really, really early in the morning, mm-hmm. like at 6 a.m., like as soon as it would be appropriate to call. <laughs> 6 a.m. is not appropriate. <laughs> it's never a good thing. <laughs> it's never a good thing. No. The first one I remember her doing calling once was it was like six in the morning and I was on my way to work. And she told me that one of these guys I went to high school with had been killed in an accident. And then every time I felt like she called that early, it was something like that. Yeah, because you get traumatized by it. It's real trauma. It might be minor, but it is real trauma, I think. Yes. Yeah, well, that's how I feel when any one of my sisters calls me. Because I mean, <laughs> that sounds terrible <laughs> that I don't talk to my sisters on the phone. 
But my older, my three older sisters, I don't talk to that often on the phone. We have a WhatsApp chat and, you know, we all have our different lives and different time zones. And, mm-hmm. and so we don't really talk on the phone. And when I see them calling me, my heart stops because there were so many deaths in my family over a one year period. Yeah, it's, it terrifies me whenever they call. I'm just like, please don't call me. So you will, you will have to stay up just because, just in case. Honestly, the reason I want to stay up is, is not because I want to take part in watching it all happen and watching it all come in, because I don't think I'm going to enjoy it at all. I'm going to be so nervous. Um, in fact, I think I need to like start a knitting project just so that I can have something to do while I'm watching. Order a giant jug of wine. Yeah, you know, I'm not a... <laughs> slowly sip it. I'm not a big drinker and drinking drinking doesn't make me feel good. But That's true. but I do have a little Joe Biden shot glass, which right. I was telling you the other day, Claudio bought a Joe Biden shot glass at LAX when we were flying back to Rome in July of last year. And he said, Joe Biden's going to be the next president. I'm telling you, it's going to be Joe Biden. I'm like, come on, it's not going to be Joe Biden. He rubs it in all the time now. He's like, I was the first person to believe in Joe Biden. I'm like, (laughs) okay, okay. Can I ask a question about that? At the LAX airport, what what was it? Like a lineup of shot glasses? Was there like Pete Buttigieg and... Elizabeth Warren. and Pete Buttigieg, I don't think, was even on the radar back in July of 2019. Was he? I don't know. I'm just trying to picture, like, what sort of display this is where you can get a Joe Biden or a Trump or a Elizabeth Warren shot. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was a, um, a shop with all, like, American paraphernalia. So T-shirts. It was before there was any real... I believe campaign merchandise out there. I think they just made it because they wanted to sell it. I don't I don't think Joe Biden put these shot glasses out there. We had no idea who the candidates were going to be, but there was Trump stuff in there too. And then there was stuff that was just random like seals that said like, you know, the office of the president of the United States and I mean, it was stuff for tourists, for non-American tourists really. And I mean, in fact, I would never have bought anything in there. But Claudio, of course, bought like a magnet and he bought a keychain and he bought the shot glass. So I'm thinking maybe like if things start going badly, I could have the shot glass there to like, <laughs> but I don't do shots. And quite frankly, we have no hard alcohol in the house. Yeah. I don't think very many people our age do shots. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> um, well, you'll have to post a picture of that shot glass for us all to see. I will. I will. I'm not staying up for the joy and pleasure of watching. I'm staying up to avoid the ball of dread that I'm going to have in my stomach the moment that I wake up and the act of going to my phone and checking it. I can't bear that. The thought of having to do that is too horrible and it's worth staying up all night to avoid that. What happens if you fall asleep at eight o'clock and you accidentally sleep until morning? Well, then I sleep until morning and then, you know, I have to deal with it. Okay, well, here's a totally separate question going back to my Seahawks example. So I was only in Rome for a year. And for much of that year, I would not say that I was very homesick at all. But in that moment, I definitely felt like, oh, I miss the company. I miss the closeness of the friends I normally would have seen something like this with. Since you've been gone for so long, like Mm -hmm. 16 years or whatever it is, and Rome is essentially home. Is it a homesick kind of feeling that you get in a moment like being far away from a big event or is it something more like missing somebody's wedding because you're not nearby you know something that's more just like oh I would have liked to be there but I couldn't have been anyway I don't know maybe it's a little bit of both I don't miss being home but I it would be nice to be with friends 
I spent the night of Obama's election. I stayed up for that, but I was with a bunch of friends. And it was, of course, before I had Aurelio. I remember I was just starting to date Claudio at the time, but he didn't come. I went to one of my closest friends' house, and a bunch of other people were there. And it was just such a nice, relaxed atmosphere. Like, none of us were terrorized out of our minds. Like, of course, we wanted Obama to win. It didn't feel as life-threatening as this one. I mean, no election has ever felt this life-threatening, I don't think. But it was so nice to be with friends. You know, Claudio said he'll stay up with me, but it's not the same as having American friends around. Yeah, I wonder, though, it's interesting because really none of us are going to have American friends around. Because you can't have friends over still. We can't have friends around because uh, of the virus. So, I mean, people are talking about having just open Zoom calls on their computer mm-hmm. so that they're sort of with friends while they're watching it. And I think a lot of people will do that and maybe... Some people will gather in small outdoor groups. I don't know. But I think the vast majority of us are like going to be like you. We're going to be watching it by ourselves or with whoever happens to live in our house. Yeah. And the major difference will be for us, it will start at four or something in the afternoon rather than one thirty in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that is a bonus. But, but maybe it isn't because I remember talking to you about election night 2016 and, mm. you know, when it was all over you had to try to sleep, you know, you had to try to go to bed. I also had to like leave a party. Yeah, exactly. And you had to face, I'm sorry, but it's hard, I think, to face a long, dark night. And I, on the other hand, had to get ready for work and I had to go to work. And it was a blessing that I had something to do and I had a distraction and that I had to go out and be among people the hard part, though, was that the people I was around had no clue. I mean, they knew what had happened because an American election is, is watched around the world. But nobody, you know, nobody who wasn't an American, I don't think, could really truly understand. And I remember so vividly getting on the subway and having some, you know, crestfallen look on my face and some Italian man, businessman. And he said, oh, come on, maybe, maybe it won't be as bad as you think. And, and I happened to go to a party that night or the next night at my sister-in-law's house And one of her friends said the same thing. Maybe it'll be okay. Maybe it'll surprise you. And I said, no, it's going to be worse than we can even imagine. (laughs) Well, it's funny, too, because you can't forget that part of the disappointment also came because we women thought, finally, we have a good chance of actually getting a female leader in this country Mm -hmm. at the top for the very first time. And so I think a lot of the disappointment was also that. Yeah. Whether or not you liked Hillary Clinton we were thinking, oh my gosh, will we finally break this ceiling? Will we yeah. finally have a female yeah. running this country instead? So there was a major disappointment in that mm-hmm. also. Absolutely. Uh, the closest we'd gotten didn't happen. Mm-hmm. This is interesting too. Like another thing I was thinking about when you were talking was about this time shift. It is very strange. It's very different experience to watch uh, the Super Bowl at four in the morning. You know, <laughs> you, w- whether or not you're super into it, yeah it's four in the morning you know like you're experiencing that game in a very different way than you'd be experiencing it if you were in an afternoon with a bunch of chips and your friends you know it's just it's a totally different experience so you had mentioned before we started taping that september 11th you were up in canada so you were at least in the same time zone yeah but you were not in the same country mm-hmm. so i wondered if that was made a huge felt difference. Like real, yeah really different that it's happening at the same period of time rather than like if you had been in rome and it, you were nine hours or sorry you wouldn't be nine hours six hours ahead yeah i mean i don't know honestly that that would have made such a huge difference 
because it still would have been the day, you know, it still would have been three in the afternoon or something. And, you know, I wouldn't have woken up to it. Although lots of people on the West Coast woke up to the news because it happened, you know, at 6am for them. I don't really think that made any kind of a difference. But what I do know is that, and I will never forget, is the feeling of people not caring. And it was very shocking to me. I mean, I think as Americans, we're all a little bit self-centered. Egocentric? Egocentric, yeah. I mean, we all think that people feel the same way we feel about our country, which of course they don't. Yes. Living abroad has taught me that, obviously. The difference is they do care about the elections, but that's because the elections, the American president, you know, impacts the whole world. But I just remember it was 9 a.m., you know, and I watched it all sort of unfold in the first few hours that I was awake and I was talking with my mom on the telephone and watching the news. And I was supposed to go to, to university. You know, I was, I was in grad school. And so I was living alone as well. And I kind of went into school knowing that I could easily have taken the day off, but wanting to be around people. I took the metro and I just remember sitting there and there was a reader board and I just remember reading, and it was in French, but whatever it was, it said something like, attack on America, planes crash into the World Trade Center, da, da, da. Nobody was looking up at it. I mean, I, they had obviously had heard a few hours before, but nobody seemed phased at all. And then I went to my school in the music department of this big university, but the music department was very small. And so I knew most of the people. I don't know what I expected, but I've been watching these videos from Lower Manhattan, and you know, it was like the world had totally turned upside down. And everyone was laughing and joking. And I saw one of my friends, and she saw that I had a look on my face. And she said, what's wrong? And I said, well, America was attacked. And she was like, oh, right, 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 of course, of course. That wasn't even the first thing that it hit her mind. And there were a few people who were a little bit more had a little bit more sense of feeling about it. And they were people from the West Coast, to be honest, of Canada. I don't know why. I think West Coast Canadians feel a little bit more kinship with the United States. I don't know why that is. It, that's just my impression. I think Quebecois people are very, they feel very, very far from the United States. But it just really shocked me. It really shocked me. And I, when I watched the news and watched the kinds of things that were going on in the United States with people coming together and people, you know, helping each other out and all sorts of things. I just felt so far away. Maybe even farther away than you did during the Red Sox game? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because at least during the Red Sox game, there were I was with a few Americans who were celebrating with me, who were, you know, in the, with me, even if it was just a couple people that I had just met. Whereas in Canada, I don't think I had any American friends. I don't think there was one American living up there. It was all Canadians and, and people from other foreign countries. And so it was really hard. So a quick aside, as we're talking about this, mm -hmm. I've been doing a lot of reading lately. Yes, I know. You're a voracious reader. Yes, thank you. <laughs> For those of you who got our newsletter today, you know that I listed some of the books that I was currently reading, gave you some recommendations, one of which is the nonfiction book Facing Death by Jim Dumaine, which I want to remind you that Jim and I are going to be doing a live discussion about this book online on November 16th. 7.30 p.m. Pacific time, which might be tough for some of you since we're talking about time shifting, but 7.30 p.m. Pacific time online so anybody, anybody can come. We're going to be talking about this great book, Facing Death, 
Finding Dignity, Hope, and Healing at the End by June DeMaine, who was a medical professional for over 40 years, witnessed a lot of death, both good and bad, and this book helps us explore the end of life. Tiffany will put a link on how you can come. If you if it's at all possible and you're in the time zone, I'd love to see some of you guys at that show, as would Jim. So Tiffany, I thought there are six aspects in this book that come up for almost everyone who's pondering what a good death would be. Uh-huh. And I thought... I would give you some sort of a prize. I don't know what. <laughs> a copy of our newsletter. That I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> if you can guess, I was going to say two, but maybe I should just say one. If you can guess one of the six aspects of what you should be pondering if you want to have a good death. No, I'm going to say two. I'm going to say two. If you get two, okay, I'll send you five bucks. All right. Or you can just send me like uh, something from our merch store. Ooh, that reminds me. I just got us some new merch. Did you? Yeah. Yes, uh, you can order merch from our online merch store, but you know how I get little things to stick in thank you notes for people? Mm-hmm. When people donate to the show at PayPal at thebittersweetlife.net or on Patreon, I always send a thank you note and I just got window clings Ooh. of our logo so people can put them as like bumper stickers on the back of their cars. Okay, you can send me one of those and I'll put it in my car. Okay, I'll send only if you get two of these right though. Okay, all right. <laughs> There are six things, though, so you should have a pretty good chance. But I have to just guess them, what they are? Yeah. I don't get, like, a multiple choice or anything. What would be two things that you think that you should be pondering if you're trying to plan a good death? Well, I would say you should let your loved ones know if you want to be sort of let go gracefully. I don't really know how to put that. And, of course, it depends on the state. There's different laws. But there's some people who don't want to be on life support, for example, and they would rather just be allowed to, to go gracefully. So I would think you would need to discuss that with your relatives, with your spouse or your children. Ding, 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 ding. Yay! <laughs> That's under here, uh, under advanced directives, having a strong advocate and clear documents mm-hmm. saying what you want. Cool. All right, one more. One more. Um, I would say that maybe you want to ask for forgiveness from people that maybe you have feel like you've wronged in your life and you maybe never cleared that up and you want to know that when it's time to go that you've made peace with everyone in your life very very nice is that right too ding 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 i'm going to give that to you under the preparation for death category spiritual emotional and physical needs are addressed so i'm going to put that under preparation for death emotional cool so very nice thank you very nice okay i'll send you one of these clings i mean i can i can guess another one okay see if i can guess another one what do i have to give you if you get three i don't know (laughs) uh some market spice tea oh i tried to send you that last year for (laughs) christmas i know you tried i know you did it got returned it's so unfair and smashed so unfair it's still in my cupboard (sighs) okay go ahead Number three. Okay. I would say decide if you want to be cremated or buried and where and, uh, you know, pay for that if you have the means and and get that all sorted so that you don't have to leave that burden to your heirs. Mm, No. That is actually not listed specifically on this list. Although it would be a good thing. Maybe that's under physical needs addressed. But maybe that's because that was what happens after you die, not what would make the death itself better. That's true. Is my guess. So, but you still win the window cling. No tea, sorry. Great, great. So the book is Facing <laughs> Death by Jim Demain. You can find a link if you want to buy it. And if you do buy it and you're reading along, come to our event November 16th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Tiffany will put a link in the show notes. All right, well, just to end, one final question. Because <laughs> you and I are going to do 
possibly if you're awake, which we'll see. I'm 99% sure that I'm going to be awake and I'm gonna, and I'm going to be following it. So we may be checking in and doing our mini episode, our Thursday episode on that. Yes, that's the plan. It might be a very long mini episode. Yes, but one kind of final question, which is sort of related, but not. Nine hours time difference, generally speaking, between Rome and Seattle. Mm-hmm. Is that like about the biggest difference of time that you'd be willing to live in? I'd be willing to live in any time difference. I mean, it's not even something that I would consider. The biggest time difference that you can get is 12 hours. But if I can talk to my mom or my best friend at nine, when it's 9 a.m. for them and it's 9 p.m. for me, I mean, there's no time difference that makes it impossible because there's no farther apart than 12 hours and anyone can, can make that happen. 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 8 a.m. Yeah, I don't, I mean, yes, it's a, it's a pain when you have to travel, but I would never like not move somewhere because the time difference was too far from where I was from. And, and like you said, I mean, I've been here for 16 years. This is my home now. So, you know, time difference relative to where? Relative to here? Yeah, um, I mean, I would assume that we're normal and you're not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's about that egocentric American thing again. Yep. <laughs> Get in the right time zone, Tiffany. I know. Uh, right now, we're, as we're recording this, we are eight hours apart. But by the time where we are recording for the election, we will once again be nine hours apart because of our daylight savings time going into effect. Everyone, if you haven't already picked up on that, the time has changed. <laughs> yes, so. yes, because it changed the night before this episode went up, which is two days from now for us. But, you know, magic of radio and all that. Uh, speaking of daylight savings time, apparently, and I can't quite figure it out, but I think Europe's not going to do it anymore starting next year. Well, America, 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 America <laughs> is considering that as well. Yeah, I I like daylight savings time. I like it a lot. Everybody hates it. I'm like the only person I know who loves daylight savings time. I love it because, and I'm talking as a parent, okay? Parents always rail on daylight savings time because it supposedly throws their children's schedules off. But honestly, as someone who travels, you know, and crosses lots of time zones regularly, one hour makes no difference. I mean, it it takes literally one day to adjust to a one hour time difference. So get over yourselves. No, I know. It's more It's more about long-term mood and stuff. Well, what I love about it is I love that in the springtime, all of a sudden it's light for so long and it happens so fast. And then I love it in the fall because I get an extra hour of sleep. Yes. I see your argument. I mean, yes. Then the nights come so, so soon. I use it as an excuse in the fall to like try to get up earlier in the morning but it never works because <laughs> I just adjust to it immediately. <laughs> but I try to. I try to use like, like okay, I'm just going to get up an hour earlier today. Yeah. But no, I love daylight savings time. I hope they don't get rid of it. Well, we'll see. All right. Well, I guess I'll see you uh, tomorrow night. Yeah. Election night. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least I'll hear from you. Yeah. And everybody else, whether you'll be watching or not, tune in Thursday. We'll give you, you'll probably know what happened by then, but we'll give you a <laughs> recap of what it happened in real time with us that night. Mm-hmm. And I guess we'll leave it there. Yeah. Stay sane, everybody. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Siddle. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Bye. If you love this show, you have the ability to keep it going. There are three things that you can do right now. First, tell a friend about it. Send a text to someone today. Or make a social media post and tag us. Second, write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you need help doing it, just ask us. Third, vote with your dollars. You pay to visit a museum. 
you pay to rent a movie online. If you get some enjoyment from this show, become a patron at patreon.com slash thebittersweetlifepodcast or donate at our website, thebittersweetlife.net. Thank you for taking action. Talk to you next week. Bye.